A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Folks, welcome back to the Pole Hitter Podcast. This is Rob D, the Dead Pole Hitter, coming at you with another podcast, another little short blast of information. Uh, this time I had my good friend on, Ryan Roof of rotowire.com. You can find him on Twitter at Ryan Roof, F-R-U-F-E. We basically talked about Ryan's specialty. He handles the closer grid and the closer... Um, talk at Rotowire. So we went through some recent reliever signings, closers, middle relievers, all that fun stuff. We tried to talk about the impact those relievers might have on their new teams, where their ADP stands right now in draft champions, and if they can contribute any type of value to your teams, either through saves or ratios or ancillary saves. So um, we did a quick blast of some of the recent signings, as well as discuss maybe some of the possible teams that can still get shaken up by the guys who are left on the wire who might be sources of saves like Craig Kimbrough, Wallace Chapman, um, and Rogers. So we try to nab maybe possible spots that they could land and if it would affect any of the other guys that were drafting on those teams that they could land on. Um, then we also cover some of the regular non-closer free agent signings and... Um, Discussed their value as well. Guys like Cody Bellinger, Ledmus Diaz, Jace Peterson, Heimer Condelario. And um, again, not big sources of impact for your team, but for draft champions, you kind of just want to know if they're going to be able to contribute anything to your team. We also talk a little bit about the Gladiator draft format and draft champions and the NFBC 50 format and just give a little bit of our take on some of the strategies we like to employ and... You know, basically ADP talk and stuff like that. So hope everyone enjoys this podcast. I hope everyone is really cherishing their time on this earth. It's short. Live it up. Be nice to each other. You know, don't be a meatball too much of the day. It's okay to live a little bit of the meatball life. You know, it's allowed. Because there's good meatballs, but there's also bad meatballs. So... Holiday season, for whatever you celebrate, celebrate it, celebrate life, cherish it all. That's it, right? It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. If you're waking up miserable every day, you need to take a good look in the mirror and say, why is this happening? But, alright, done with uh, Dr. Rob. He's out. Enjoy. Actually, I lied. I'm not done with this introduction. Get a little bit of a rant. When you're driving, don't exaggerate the lane switch, right? There's no need to, there's, there's just no need to drag it out. 
it shouldn't be a move that encompasses 140 feet in distance. Make the move. You put the signal on, you move. That's it. You got a clear right of way, go. Don't exaggerate it. I don't know why some people just take half a mile to make that move. Just do it. You know? Ming. My other rant is resealable bags. Everything these days is resealable, right? But the reseal conditions in the world aren't great. There's some companies that have nailed the reseal. A lot of companies, the bags, I mean, you end up using more bag clips than you ever had before. Or you transfer it into a Ziploc that actually closes. So if anyone's working for a company that makes resealable bags for a product, tell them to smarten up and step up. Because it is just terrible out there. You get a bag of, I don't know, sun-dried figs from Costco and the thing just doesn't close back up. They're perfectly lined up. The things are perfectly lined up. You're pressing your thumb and your finger together like a big hammerhead and you can't get it sealed up. It is, it's just bad. It's bad. It's one of the biggest problems in the world right now, folks. Resealable bags. Get the word out. Let's make it better. All right, I'm done. Here's baseball. All right, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. Rob D., the dead pull hitter. Here with my good friend Ryan Roof, we're going to blast through some free agent reliever signings, um, regular free agent signings that are not relievers because, believe it or not, Ryan Roof is a stud analyst all around, not just relief pitchers. What's up, Ryan? So that's news to me, man. I don't know about that. Come (laughs) on. Come on. Don't sell yourself short. You know, you're not just a reliever guy. You know, you're you're playing in the, you know, a lot. How many drafts have you done so far? 10. Woo, baby. 10. Um, I think 40, well, 40Cs, 250s, four gladiators. And uh, I'll be doing a main event, a couple OCs closer to the season. So, yeah, I'll have a full and a lot more 50s. So, and DCs, so I'll have a pretty full plate again next year. What's your biggest thing when you're going from a DC to a 50? Because obviously it's still that draft and hold style, but it's, um, you know, 12. You're going from 15 teams to 12. So what's, what is your biggest, like, you know, I guess um, fork in the road? Like what are your, what's your first thing that you're trying to attack when you're trying to transition between the size of the leagues? It's interesting because the, the, you know, I look at like the twelve team draft boards, and they're just like so much better. Stacked, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like you're stacked through like eight rounds, basically. Yep. So, um, I think the first fifty I did this year, I was like, I went in the overall. This is, this <laughs> yeah. is insane. This team's insane. <laughs> um, and then you go back to the fifteen team BCs, and you're like, wow, this this is <laughs> pretty different. Yeah. So, um, I think the biggest thing. For me, when I, you know, I haven't gone back and forth this year. I haven't done a 50 yet. But to me, it was like, you know, there's a point in those DCs where you're starting your speculative, like, closer stashes or specific outfielders or prospects that you may like. And that cutoff point is way earlier. And you have to decide, like, 
is it worth bumping them up a hundred picks or is, is the value of that player in that, you know, range where he goes in a draft champion, but in a 50, you know, you have to move that ADP up to get him. Cause you know, obviously the rosters just end at some point. And that was my biggest thing. Cause it can, it comes to like the last couple of rounds and you're like, Oh man, like uh, I can't believe this guy hasn't been drafted yet because you're stuck in that draft champions mode, you know, where everyone pretty yeah. much gets drafted, you know? For sure. I would yeah, love the, to do like a 75 round draft and hold, you know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be sick. <laughs> or at least 60. Like, yeah. extend it even more. It ends and I'm like, I still want more. You know, I still want more of these guys. Yeah, uh, my queue, I know my queues in the in the 50 drafts are like still ridiculously full once the draft is over. Right, Compared to yes. the DCs where I'm like, you know, scraping by. Uh, I'm doing one right now and I'm past round 40 and like, man, this, there's like nothing. Uh, except for like good, like the only thing left is good relievers. Um, so guys like Hector Neris and uh, Chris Martin and you know all those guys. So you said good relievers. You just said great relievers, though. Hector Neris. Let's, let's get True. come yeah. on. Let's say. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's and that's exactly like what's left. Like that's the most appealing in in late you know post round forty DCs right now is is those late relievers on the pitching side because there's no there's no real starters left uh, at that point. So, um, yep. so yeah, it really lends itself to like specking on saves, uh, like later in the draft, like post round 30 in those DCs versus like, um, you know, the 12 team fifties, those guys are going to be always there like around 45. So if you're going to speculate on saves, like take your pitching early, um, in those like starters early, at least. Yeah, that that totally makes sense. When are you getting like in your fifties? When are you getting your fifth outfielder? Like what round usually? Um, let's see. Good question. Um, I I'd like to have it pretty early, but um, I think I'm more comfortable in those like versus the 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 DCs. Um, I did want like my latest fifty and. Like I had my fifth outfielder by round 17. Okay. Um, so I, I, but I took three of them in the first five rounds. So uh, I took Acuna, Rosarina, and Mullins, and then Yelich and Verdugo. But um, I think in the, in the, in the DCs, like that's where I want to, like round 15 is like round 14's, like the last set of outfielders I'm like really comfortable with, like the, the Riley Greens and you know that type of group, Bellinger type type guys. Um, so that's Belly. really kind of where I want to be in the in the in the in the DCs. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, let's let I know you're you know we're doing this on a whim basically. I'm just doing whim podcast these days. It's fun. Last night with Phil Zero was basically, prep. yeah, Zero yeah. Prep. It was just like let's just jump in and and instead of texting each other things and having conversations on Discord, it's like whatever. Let's just spend that time talking. You know, yeah, I get to pod. follow the robot who's way smarter than me. So. <laughs> he's so like let's just, well. he's like let's just bring up the fan graphs free agent tracker and just talk about it i'm like sure sounds good yeah exactly. <laughs> you know it's, it's all good um but yeah so let's get i wanted to get into some of the recent um 
relief pitcher signings. Um, I'm not going to talk about Edwin Diaz. We already know what he brings to the table, but I'm just going to go by the, again, the Fangraphs roster resource free agent tracker. I'm just going by projected war for this year. And um, well, Matthew Boyd is first, um, but I think he's going to start, right? He should be starting with Detroit. So I don't think we'll. Yeah. Um, all right. Chris Martin um, signed for two years, 13.5 mil um, to Boston. And then it was followed up by a Kenley Jansen signing um, after that. So I think for what, maybe a brief week, um, people doing draft champions probably took a whole bunch of uh, Chris Martin a little higher than uh, than usual. Um, and I know you have been, you know, taking some John Schreiber as well. So I guess we'll yeah. talk about it in tandem, the Chris Martin, Kenley Jansen signings. Obviously, the pen gets a lot better. And also maybe the domino effects of what we can expect from like Tanner Houck and Whitlock. Um It'd be maybe hybrid roles or really going back to starters. Yeah, it's really it's interesting. I, I really like what Boston did. They had a bottom five uh, team bullpen ERA last year, four fifty nine. So they really uh, did a nice job improving the the pen with the Martin and Jansen signings. And I think it allows Hauk to to be in that more flexible hybrid role. Um, he really thrived when he went to the relief role last year. So. Um, I really like what it does uh, for him, just the ability to be a little bit more flexible, maybe go two innings again, um, seem to be a little bit better, like in the shorter stints, but um, you know, he's an electric arm. I really like that. Um, and as for Whitlock, I think, I think he'll probably be in the rotation. Maybe he transitions back to the pen at some point later in the year, once his innings start getting up there, but um, you know, Boston did a really nice job. I, I like, like I said, Martin and Jansen are, are two really, really good relievers. They're, they're older, but um, Martin in particular was really good last year. Um, had a uh, really good second half, especially 39 to one K to walk ratio over, over his last 27 innings. Wow. It was 63 whip. Um, got six pitches, uh, which is surprising. Um, and uh I don't know. I just really like what he did. He had the lowest walk rate around, among qualified relievers, 2.2%, uh, just five walks all last year. So um, I think yeah. that's really kind of an underrated signing, but he is 37. Um, he kind of had like the late breakout. Um, and then Jansen yeah. is just one of the best closers, uh, you know, in, in history. Um, he'll probably surpass Kimbrell as the active saves leader this year. And um he just kind of gives stability where they didn't, ha they haven't had it the past year and a half. You know, Matt Barnes has struggled. So, um, Matty Barnes. Really like yeah, really like those signings. They did a good job. Yeah. Um, I'm mad I even spent like 20 minutes just looking at Matt Barnes and like, oh, wait, he closed like the last three games of the year. And, you know, I yeah. always like to look at the guys who ended the, the year as the closer. Obviously, we knew we were going to upgrade their pen a little bit, but, um, yeah, could, but Chris Martin was uh, was lights out. Like I said, in the second half, he was just really unbelievable. Um, 84.5% first strike percentage, 42% O swing. Uh, zone contact was nice at 81%. Super, super effective reliever. And, um, yeah, I they, they made their pen very formidable now. Um, I don't know what they're really doing on the offensive side of it. I don't 
really think Yoshida is going to be a valiant replacement for Xander, but maybe they got some other stuff uh, up their sleeve. Um, but yeah, interesting um, signings for sure for Boston to boost up their pen. Um, Robert Suarez uh, got re-upped by the Padres for five years for $46 million. Obviously, Josh Hader is there. We know Hader is going to be the guy. And it looks like the Padres are all in to win now. So even though Hader is coming up as a free agent, right, I don't think we can. Can we expect any thought of uh, of them trying to move Hader and being comfortable with Suarez? Or is this just like team just being more invested in their bullpen now? I think um, I really, really like Suarez. Um, he's a guy I'm, I'm targeting pretty heavily in DCs, especially um, because you know what if the Padres suck? They have a couple injuries. Like they they would move Hader if like they're not in contention, um, and then he just steps in. They've I don't know. Like I, I really like what he did last year. Uh, he um, is likely their closer of the future. Um, maybe they don't re-sign Hader after investing all this money in Xander Bogarts. Um, maybe they do. I don't know. But uh, he had a nice 32% strikeout rate, 227 ERA, 105 whip. Um, did have a knee injury that that required a cleanup in midseason, so he missed mm-hmm. two months last year. But he was like really, really good when he came back. 32 Ks over his final 24 and a third inning. So. And he didn't allow an earned run at Petco Park all year. Wow. So uh, that's a nice really stat right there. Yeah. Yeah. He was really good at home. But yeah. Um, and yeah. Love Suarez. And, and I think it was smart of the Padres to, to resign him. Crazy too. Cause he had 12 earned runs all year and four of them came in the first two games, you know, too. He's like, yeah. You take, you know, obviously you could play that game all day. You take, take this game out and, and look at it. But, um, yeah, yeah, walk rate was a little high at eleven percent, so that's really the only thing um, that's kind of concerning. So, but uh, yeah, I think uh, he has he has some upside, and and if something happens with San Diego where they're you know again kind of fall out of it, you know they could trade Hater, and he's he's the next next man up. So, right, um, you know one one thing that I like to look at um, for all pitchers that baseball HQ has done a lot of research on is the um ball percentage um and like their expected walk percentage um and his uh his ball percentage was like 36% which is very like slightly above league average league average was like 35.8 so i think that walk percentage is you know could be at yeah so baseball hq i'm just looking at the forecaster now his walk percentage was 11 percent like you said his expected walk percentage was eight percent so um if that could correct you know um yeah i really like that arm I, and i think that's a good grab in a dc because i think you're just gonna get a good shot at great ratios maybe like you know You'll take, you know, eight, you know, seven wins and five saves, right? From where he's going in ADP with great ratios. That's, I think it's better than, you know, I probably use Mike Miner too much as a, uh, I have to use another guy. I have to start using <laughs> Mike Miner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I like Suarez. I like I like what he brings to the table. Um, Rafael Montero, we up with the Astros for three years, thirty four and a half million. Um, had a really good year last year. You know, um, spot saving for Presley when he was injured. Also, you know, Presley is not that type really to go back to back a lot in his age with his injuries. So racked up fourteen saves. Um, what's your thoughts about like how comfortable where would you be comfortable taking him, I guess, in your attack for saves? Like if you um if you invested heavily up top, are you like with a hater or Hendricks, are you okay with Montero maybe as your second closer in a draft champion where you're just maybe expecting the same thing, 14 saves? Um Probably not. Maybe I, I don't. I'm not sure. I expect that from him. You know, he he had this like, you know, breakout at age 31 mm-hmm. last year, which was good. But um, you know, a lot of his success came from the you know added velocity that that he brought last year. Um, really good barrel percentage, limited in the hard hard contact. Um, and especially valuable in like Souls leagues, you know, he's certainly going to be part of that that bridge to Presley in the ninth. So if you're like in a saves plus holds leagues, you know, he's especially valuable. But I'm not sure. Um, I'd go after him right now as kind of like my second closer. Uh, um, like I just have this like, I don't know if it's a gut feel, but like I could see Hector Neris like overtaking him like you had that call last year right with with naris um i just prefer him so much more at his ADP right now than um he he's going like 300 picks later than montero is and he's probably just as good um maybe maybe a little bit worse um so if montero struggles i don't know i just i just am not like super into into drafting him at his ADP. His ADP is like three twenty ish DCs over the last month. So yep, um, I see that hanging so around. That's around like, like 20, 21, 22. Yeah, yeah. So there's just um, other people in that range. I'm trying to fill out my roster, um, and I'd rather spec later on saves than take Montero there. So yep, you know that but makes total on sense. On the plus side. Presley's, you know, has been injury prone. He was hit the IL a couple times last year. So, you know, he's he's certainly going to get some save opportunities at some point. Because uh, I don't think Presley's going to pitch, you know, 70 innings again. Um, he's just, uh, he's up there in age. Um, Astros bullpen is deep. Very they deep. have other guys who can, who can keep Presley fresh, you know, with other save opportunities. So just kind of fading Montero this year. Yeah. It's crazy, right? He's just his velocity on every single pitch is just getting higher and higher every single year. Obviously, you know, you can get skewed by looking at some earlier seasons where he was a starter, but even as a reliever, he's uh everything's ticking up a little bit year by year. Um Yeah, and it's agree. really like yeah. the first full season of his career where he did like he did well. And and it's not to say that's like not sustainable. Like he could certainly be just as good next year, like he keeps that velo, but um, it's just kind of a an interesting like he's this is what like it's going to be his ninth year in the league, um, and he's just now like 
breaking out, which is which is good, but I prefer others at that ADP. Yep. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, the the bullpen is stacked, you know. Um at some point we'll probably get to see Brian Abreu maybe slip into that role too a little bit. He's pretty yeah. lights out as well. Just uh, a lot of options um to roll in there. Um let's move down to Tommy Canley. Um, signed by the New York Yankees, two years, 11 and a half mil. Um, what are you expecting from him? 33 years old, came back last year, showed that he could still throw a little bit. I think his velo is slightly affected, right? Um, but yeah, is he, had, he... he had TJ in 2021 or 2020 um, and missed most of the 2021 season. Um, really missed a lot of last year, too. Um, just with, you know, arm, arm issues, but um, yeah, his, his whip was really low in his limited sample uh 63 over 12 and two thirds innings. Uh, he's back with New York after being with them from 2018 through 2020. They certainly need him after, um, you know, moving on from a role Chapman. So uh, mm-hmm. he's, he could certainly mix in for saves, you know, with Clay Holmes kind of dealing with a couple injuries, uh, Lois Siga um, was much better down the stretch last year, which is which is really good. But this just gives them more depth, um, which I think is what they need. So as long as he's healthy, I could certainly see him kind of being in that mix uh, for saves. Uh, definitely holds, um, you know, just when healthy, he's just been super effective. So, yep. But health is like the big thing, right? So right. this is like a, you know, I'm not sure he's, He's being drafted in like a 12 team 50, but like certainly on the DC radar um, as kind of the late post round 40 uh, spec. Yeah. And, and it's funny because do you ever catch yourself like, man, like, am I being serious with myself? Like, is because, you know, we're talking about him getting possible save chances. Like he's got five saves and he's 33, you know, in his career. It's like, <laughs> What are we talking about? But it is, it, I mean, it is on the table. We, these are the things we actually have to run through in our brain, you know, when we're drafting, especially like you said, late round draft champions. We want to like, you know, get any kind of specs. You know, I think the, I think I, I, I think I shared it with you, like the, you know, the overall winner last year in the draft champions. He had Helsley from the back end and he had um, all these specs that he just hit on on top of Vinny P and Jake McCarthy. But um right. I, I I forget the other guys. Um but yeah so these are the these are the spots where you can grab him and they could really I think he had Jose LeClark also it could really just like influx your totals. Um and just even having good arms with good ratios and yeah he's going 720 right now in draft champions for the last month. And um, it'll be interesting. I think I think they will mix and match a little bit um, with Loisaga and and you know and Holmes when they can. Um, maybe if Holmes gets the majority, but he might be able to pick up a few from here. But yeah, pretty pretty wild, right? Thirty three years old, he's only got two hundred and ninety innings and five saves under him. But well, like yes, he's gonna get saves. <laughs> yeah, three hundred fifty eight Ks though in those two hundred ninety innings. So right, I mean, definitely the potential is there. And, you know, he's pitched in New York before. He was successful in 2019. Um, 27 holds that year and 61 in the third inning. So, um, yeah, potential. And and if you're willing to take, like, the health gamble. Um, so this is like a pick where, like, 
if I'm in a DC and I've already taken like kind of some health risks late with like relievers or pitchers, like I'm probably not taking them. But like if I'm pretty good on that on that regard, like this is a spec I would make, you know, post round forty, round forty five. Yep, I like it. I like it. Um, next on the list, Maddie Strom, signed by the Phillies. Um, two years, fifteen mil, seven and a half a year. I think he expressed some desire to start, uh, but I think yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, then he kind of, you know, we saw this reliever market being pretty, pretty intense. And um, I'm assuming that, you know, he'll make his way into the pen, maybe as a maybe as a little bit of a two or three inning guy. But their pen, you know. Is he gonna get any shot at saves? Can he be in a save mix, or do you just see him as a high leverage lefty arm? Because I know when I had Eno Saris on the podcast, he was mentioning that teams are going to be more back into the left-handed reliever because of the shifting stuff. Then the game, you know, changed a little bit, so teams are in his what he heard from his sources, quote unquote sources, that it's going back to teams looking for lefty believers again more than they have in the past couple of years sure yeah it's, i certainly think um you know rob thompson the their manager in philadelphia um once Corey knable was removed from the closer role it was kind of a a shared role between multiple guys and i think um you know with uh sir anthony dominguez jose alvarado um certainly great arms but both have really high walk rates, you know, and, and if they're walking the world, um, probably going to take a step back from using them in the most high leverage situations. And, and Strom has excelled when healthy in those situations. Uh, last year with Boston, he was, he was really good. Um, you know, 27% K rate, decent ground ball rate, um, did walk almost 9%, uh, batters he faced, but, um, yeah, I could see him being like that two, you know, inning guy. I mean, he he did start for make sixteen starts for the Padres in twenty nineteen. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, and he was like a. I remember him in my home league being like one of those, um, you know, those cheat yeah. codes where you could plug in at at reliever if you wanted extra starts, you know, or sure, vice versa. Yeah. That next year, you know, he was um, he qualified the other way around. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like, and and he had some last year. He had some two inning outings, mostly with short outings. But um, this makes me wonder, though. Like, does this free up Alvarado for more saves? That's what yeah, I could, for sure. that's what I have in my head. Like now they have this lefty guy that they could use, and because Alvarado was really really insane in the second half. Obviously, he found the strike zone a lot more. First pitch strike and strike percentage. Everything was up in that regard, you know, to his his normal values. And he was he was pretty good in the second half, 24 innings and 40 strikeouts, you know. Um, had the second highest leverage on the team after Dominguez. Um, but, but like you said, they Thompson loved to mix it up. And we might see Brogdon get, you know, a couple um, as well. But I don't know, Bilotti, man. This, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This Bilotti. Yep. And um, it kind of had me thinking like that maybe – this might free up Alvarado for more saves than maybe we were anticipating, you know? And I think where he's going right now in draft champions is pretty, 
pretty good snag. 474 in the last last month. Um yeah, I, like I it, love that. You know, uh, I love he's, that. He's one of the guys I'm definitely targeting there, uh, for sure. Like he had the um highest whiff rate on any cutter in the league last year, 55%. And his 14.3 K per nine was third highest among qualified relievers. So a lot of upside there. We know he's, you know, uh, saved games before um, last year. He had a couple with Tampa um, before, you know, the move into Philly. Um, he was part of the, the conversation for save. So, yeah, he has that like 10 to 15 save upside for sure. Um, so I definitely like that that price on Alvarado. Nice. All right, let's move on to Carlos Estevez getting picked up by the Los Angeles Angels. Um, two years, 13 and a half mil coming over from the Rockies. I thought it was interesting. Our good friend Ryan Venancio sent me a tweet from September. I think it was September of this year. And it was from one of the driveline guys separating Estevez's stuff plus at home and on the road and on like at home, it was like 90 something. And on the road, it was like 160. It was like a plus 70 difference and had a lot of difference in his horizontal break of his fastball as well. So, and, um, you know, and, and Bob Black had some interesting comments, right. <laughs> when like he was saying, you know, he has closer stuff. And when the angels were, you know, disgusting contracts, with him, he was like, oh, maybe we should, you know, uh, we're going to get one more crack at him before we let him go or something like that. And I just thought it was an interesting coach speak to pick up on. And um, I don't know, does he emerge as the guy or do you think they are going to also use like a committee approach with Herget and Tapera? Yeah, the the latter. I think a committee approach is what um, Phil Nevin did, you know, once Iglesias was traded last year. And I see that continuing. Um, they were flexible with Herget. Um, he he came on earlier in games during high leverage spots. Ryan Tapera is there, um, solid veteran. Uh, last year of his deal, so so maybe um, you know he kind of gets more saves uh, than normal in, in the first half. And if the Angels are out of it, you know they move on from him, and and Estevez kind of steps in with with more opportunities. Um, you know, now that he's got the, the multi-year deal, but yeah, the, the home road splits have always been, um, pretty apparent for, for Estevez, uh, I think career at cores, it was like, uh, it was definitely over five. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but on the road, it was over, you know, um, run and a half difference, um, you know, one, two, three whip on the, on, on the road. So I expect the ratios to be much, much better and, and having that closing experience, like this is kind of like the perfect fit for him. Like he's not the full-time guy probably, but like in a bullpen where there's, there's multiple guys like this is just like a great fit. In my opinion. I think he's going to be the guy. Oh, boom. Yeah. I think he's going to be the guy. I think he's going to go right into being the guy. I could be totally wrong, but I just have this gut feeling I don't know. He ADP is going to skyrocket now. You heard it yeah, on the yeah. podcast, Rob D. Right. Because I got, shot. yeah, because I got that poll, baby. Yeah, right. You had that neck Hector Neris poll last year, man. <laughs> yeah. You made that call and <laughs> he skyrocketed uh, ADP from that. So it's so funny, too. I, I saw like, um, it was so funny. Again, this is purely coincidental and also, you know, everyone studying up and getting into their prep, but like, you know, 
there was a right at the beginning of the season of the draft season, Trey Turner was, you know, clear cut one, one in these DCs. And I put a tweet out about, you know, what if he's starting to decline and like, you know, all these, I put out some random points out there. It was just playing devil's advocate more than anything. Cause I like, you know, Ron Chandler has always done a great job of like going through the first round picks and finding something wrong with them. You know, I think it's a good practice to take just to see which one you're okay with the most, you know, cause everyone's got a wart, you know? And, um, and like two weeks after that, he wasn't the clear one one. I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like in my head, I'm like, no way I did this, you know. But um, but I don't know. So, you, man. so Carlos Estevez, you know, I'm just looking at Eno's stuff plus, and he's still got a 106 compared to Tapera's 94 and Herget's 91, and even the pitching plus is better than the the other two guys. And it just seems like the more I listen to, you know, Eno and other see like other people on driveline talk about this stuff. Plus it just seems like a lot of organizations are really just following that lead, you know, like looking at these numbers, not just us as fantasy players, but major league baseball teams are using these models and these stuff plus models to, you know, to nab on a pitcher. And I don't know. I just think that he's going to get a shot to be that guy and to get the majority of the saves, but I could be totally wrong. It's just a gut feel. Uh, as soon as he did the signings, I was in a gladiator and I scooped them up, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, really rash thinking and, you know, impulse. But uh, I think, you know, it's a good book on that called Blink uh, by Malcolm Gladwell. Just trusting your blink instincts, you know, a, a lot. Could they even, even over like a half an hour of thinking about something's, your your blinking thing can usually be just as well thought out and more accurate, you know? So anyway, that's, uh, I find that correlation when I play DFS, like if I make a lineup in like two minutes, it does way better than when I sit there and tweak for like an hour before like lineups lock. Right. Cause looking so, at, yeah. looking at everything like so frantically and overanalyzing, it happens so easily, you know. I was doing uh, that last night actually with NBA, and I did like a couple of lineups on FanDuel. And the one I just put together for like in like thirty seconds cashed, and the, the ones I sat there and tweaked forever didn't even come close. So crazy, right? Crazy. All right, how that Carl Sester is moving up, moving up, and he moving he up. Moving up. Uh, I know your boy David Robinson signed with the Mets. Surprisingly. Um, no, I know you're not a big fan of him anyway, but, um, no. yeah, no, um, one year, 10 mil. This is interesting. I thought, I, I thought there would be more teams looking to try to, I guess, you know, get just like back end veteran presence for, for saves, you know, it just, uh, but I guess I was wrong. I, or maybe, maybe people have been listening to you, Ryan, talk about, David Robinson and you had the David Robinson effect, you know, maybe, like, maybe they heard you <laughs> with James on the Rotowire pod and said, ah, Ruth doesn't like this guy. Let's, let's get him off the list. Yeah. And, and certainly now, like, I think we talked about it when our, on our pod with Venancio earlier, like now that he's with the Mets, I just have zero interest. Um, you know, if he would have signed with like the Cubs again, um, you know, I, I may have taken like a stab, late and you get one share but yeah he's for me it was like the the increased walk rate last year past two years of his walk rates just been been pretty bad so um you know still got the experience and he can certainly he's he's probably the most likely to 
to back up Diaz, I would think, right? Like, um, you know, I don't think they're done, like, adding to the bullpen, but maybe Brooks Raley, who they just traded for, is kind of like the backup closer. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I can see Robertson getting, like, you know, five saves in relief of Diaz when he's not available. Yeah, because, I mean, Ottavino had three last year, and he was pretty he was pretty valuable on those days where they wanted to match up with Diaz as the high-leverage guy. You know, Buck, Buck showed a, a willingness to do that, and Diaz embraced yep. it as well. And, you know, you know, Ottavino was, their, I think, their safest option when that happened. So maybe that's what they do with Robertson. And maybe, you know, maybe they anticipate using Diaz more in, in high leverage, you know. Um it's uh interesting, you know, interesting for sure. Uh, I I I think he'll I think he'll fall into some into a handful of saves. Um, so I have a question about Jose Leclerc. With like all the signings and with the remaining closers out there, do you to be signed? Do you feel a little more safer, especially Jansen? I think we were worried about Jansen going to Texas as well as San Francisco. But do you feel a little more safer? with the Texas Rangers, even though they're spending all this money going with LeClerc as the closer. Yeah. Um, I do. Cause you know, the, the remaining uh, notable free agent relievers, at least from a, a closer perspective, um, Taylor Rogers, Aroldis Chapman, Craig Kimbrell, um, both or all three of them, like really kind of declined last year. Um I could certainly see the Rangers picking up one of those guys um, and maybe they just uh, kind of work them in uh, if they're showing signs of improvement, but uh, I don't know. Um, Yeah. I definitely feel a little bit more comfortable. The Jansen domino really kind of uh, uh, cleared things up for a lot of pens, in my opinion, Atlanta, San Francisco, we were worried about him signing either of those places um now that he's in boston you know it really clears things up there so uh, texas yeah. also was one of them so yeah i'm a little bit more comfortable in, in leclerc um still not like overly excited about him you know they still have uh joe barlow there who's been pretty good the past couple of years mm-hmm. still some walk issues but uh yeah i think they'll have to make some moves with their bullpen still uh i just I, i'm not super comfortable with the the pen as it is now because Matt Moore's still unsigned he was pretty good for them last year Brock Burke's pretty good um but uh I still think there's some moves to be made there in that pen I yeah I agree I I love LeCork I've always had a bias for him everyone who listened to the show knows that but I think, yeah, I think I, I hope he gets a shot to just really run with it again because I think he's, yeah. I think he showed last year too, just coming back for the first time that he was, the stuff was great just for being back. And I think he's just going to improve and get better. Um, well, I think people forget like how dominant he was like a couple years yeah. ago. Like, yeah. He was a 100K reliever in 2019, 68 right. and two thirds innings. So, um, you know, we're, we're at that like, those are kind of guys that, that I want on my team, but you know, is he going to pitch, you know, 70 innings again? You know, that's, that's where I'm at is like how much, how much volume are we going to get from him? You know, when he's proved he was healthy, um, 47 and two thirds and 39 appearances last year. So he definitely you know, went multiple innings several times. So, you know, maybe he gets back to that hundred K level. All right. All right. I'm on board now. All right. Boom. 
Thanks, Gladiator Draft. I'm I'm sniping him from you. I took him last night. Yeah, like 180-ish. Um, I think right around his ADP, but I hadn't gone fishing in that area um, for saves, you know. It's usually where I'm trying yeah. to pick up some bats after I've gotten a good run of pitchers and stuff like that. Um, I, I got think, one I don't from- know the ADPs. I think I think uh, he's kind of going around where like Sir Anthony Dominguez is going. And I don't know who's going first of those two relievers, but I would I would rather have Leclerc. Me too. And Dominguez. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm going to throw out a really crazy spec, but not as a closer spec, but a guy who might have a Brent Suter type year on the Brewers. And I think Jansen Junk is the new Brent Suter. So for anyone in playing in DCs, I think he's going to be the guy that comes in like Suter has been. And you might see like an eight, nine win season from him. Just throwing it out there. Brent Suter is the Brent Suter, man. I know. There's no one like Brent Suter. The Rockies. He's on the Rockies now. He's on the Rockies. That. Oh, God. He's going to have that. All oh, those hanging breaking balls. Six ERA with 12 smashed. wins. Yeah. Oh, God. Couldn't couldn't have like a, a worst um <laughs> progression in going to like an analytical team. Um yeah. <laughs> going from the Brewers to the Rockies. But um so I guess the final question for the relievers, closers is 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 there is there teams that can still have like their bullpen be influenced by any of the signings? Because like you mentioned, like the guys left the Kimbrel, the Rogers, the Chapmans, like I feel like there's not too many you know, of those impact closers that I, I go through the teams. I'm like, will will this guy close over this guy? And will this guy close over this guy? Do you find any matches like where it might be like, okay, he might, he can go to this team and get saves. Yeah. The two, the two teams I think are, are kind of unsettled right now are the Cubs and, and the Rangers. Um, and, and I think, I think from like a depth perspective, I, I still think the the Mets and maybe the Yankees have, have, you know, some more, um, signings on the relief market there, maybe San Francisco as well, um, just because they were in on Jansen. Um, I'm not even sure they they have. I think uh, last time I looked at their um, hierarchy, um, they only had like a couple of relievers just on the roster, um, <laughs> so <laughs> have some work to do there. But um, clearly, nobody left on the market's gonna overtake you know, Edwin Diaz or probably Clay Holmes or even Duvall. Um, But the Cubs bullpen doesn't look great on paper. Um, And, you know, the past two years, they've, they've kind of gone the route of 2021. It was like, uh, you know, Kimbrell. And then uh, last year it was David Robertson signing them to one year deals. And I don't know if they, uh, I mean, it's oddly enough, Kimbrel and Aroldis Chapman were with the Cubs in their past, so maybe, maybe that's something they look at uh, just to see if there's still something left in the tank. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a good call um, right there. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think I think the two that I think could be affected in terms of closer roles are, are definitely the Cubs and possibly the Rangers. Hey, come on, don't do that to me now. We just talked about Leclerc. Um, speaking of the Cubs, like. W- if they stay as is, what do you see there? Is it obviously going to be a mishmash of, of, of opportunities and, but is there a guy that you just like the best in pure, like just pure skills and 
closer mentality? Like, will will Alzale and Thompson stay in the pen? Or are they going to be like bridge guys? Because roster resources, I talked about this last night with Phil, but the roster resource doesn't have Hayden Wisniewski as one of the starters on the team. And I don't think that's oh, really? going to... Yeah. Yeah, they have Stroman, Tyon, Hendricks, Steele, Sampson. Um, I think mm. Wisniewski showed enough to be a clear-cut starter on this team this year. Um, For sure. You know, so that push one of these guys into the pen. Uh, I don't know. Samson, I think, had a lot of luck involved last year um, in his surface stats. But do you like Brandon Hughes? Not really. Um, He was hit pretty hard and uh, had a pretty high walk rate. Um, Like, all these guys really have their, like, their warts, right? Like, I think from a skills perspective, I'm, I'm most intrigued by Alzale. But he came back towards the end of last year um, and it was really kind of like the multi-inning stint guy, like two two, two to three innings out of the pen. Um, but if he like, I mean, his his slider was like filthy. It had like a 70% whiff rate, uh, but it was like a very limited sample, obviously. But um I like I like him probably the most out of the options. I think Manuel Rodriguez. Uh, I just am not interested because through his career he's got almost as many walks as he does strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't like that. Rowan Wicks clearly not. Um, he probably probably gets a few saves, but like I'm not like uh, I'm not excited about him at all. He's got a 147 career WHIP. Um, and he had like a 169 whip last year, so which was second worst among qualified relievers. So, um, I don't want to forget about Cody Warrior. Um, hmm. you know, the Cubs traded for him in that uh, uh, Kimbrel deal with the White Sox, but um, you know, he, he had TJ last March, missed all last season. He's going to return this year, but you know, I would assume there's going to be a ramp up process, probably. Needs to regain his uh, footing. So, like, second half saves, I like Hoyer um, if he's performing well upon his return. Mm. But, um, yeah, Alzale is probably the most intriguing out of all those guys. Yeah. Yeah, Alzale is – I think he's always um, – he's always uh, had our interest for sure, you know? Um, yeah, and a lonely deep mix leagues um, – probably going to be careful with his workload so like i don't know if he like really starts so i think maybe that like multi-inning you know maybe he's like one of those three inning save guys you know a couple times a year right yeah absolutely and i think that's what they have with him and keegan thompson like to have that ability to just throw them in there whenever and that's that's gonna take um yeah brandon hughes just um 25 percent swing a strike rate on the slider but gave up seven homers and a 16% battle percentage on the fastball. So it's got to maybe, obviously, you know, he's throwing the slider 44, uh, 45% of the time. So if he maybe bumped that up, it could be a little more effective, uh, not give up that loud contact. But they did seem to like him, you know, to trust him at the end of the year, but they sprinkled in a whole bunch of other uh yeah, and, and David Ross has shown a willingness to do that, just use a bunch of guys. So um Brandon Hughes has got like uh 373 ADP, which is like right around Jason Adam and give me Jason Adam 10 times out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, just from a 
you know, better skills perspective, but, uh, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of high, right? For Hughes, like just really yeah. not knowing. I mean, it's before round 30. Like, yeah. Yeah, just not... yeah, I don't want him there. Right. You're right. It's this, this Jason Adam is there and we got Jose Quintana. Like, just, just, just starters, the good starters around this. Savale, Karen Check. Um, yeah. Would you rather have Karen Check or Hughes? Karen Check, sure. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's easy peasy. Um, close. Yeah. There's an interesting group of starters here. I'm not talking about starters, but what about AJ Puck? He's right next to Hughes. Who would you rather have? Well, not right next to him. Thirty picks Puck. apart. Puck. Yeah, Puck for sure. Yeah, so Hughes is. Um, Robert I didn't Torres. He... Rather have him. Yep. Uh, he's in that range too. Hmm. I didn't realize he was that high. What about Daniel Hudson? You think he's a sneaky source here for for uh, saves? I don't Dodgers? think he's a sneaky source. I think he's a source. Um, he's a source. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the way you put that. Yeah. <laughs> people are like getting, like moving him up. Like I'm seeing him move up, like in yep. DC's. Uh, and he's, I took him in my last Gladiator, I think, in one of the last couple rounds. Um, Me too. Uh, one of the one of the Dodgers uh, beat guys, I asked him who the closer was, and he said it's going to be a committee. So I think he has got a decent chance to lead that committee and saves, you know, 15, 20, maybe, um, you know, but they have a, that, that bullpen's pretty stacked. Evan Phillips is great. Alex Vassi is really good. Um, Brad Rall, obviously, if he can stay healthy. So it's going to be an interesting, uh, pen to, to monitor, uh, just because there's so many, uh, saves potential. They led the league in saves, uh, in 2021. So, um, could be a lot of saves uh, to be distributed between a bunch of guys. Yep. All right. Yeah. Quick, quick blast. Cody Ballinger interest this year. Yes or no? Yes. Ooh. Uh, which is surprising because like I've know. never been. So. Oh, okay. So that's interesting. You have, you have a little yeah, turn I here. Think, hmm. I think it speaks to like the outfield depth, right? Like you, you look at like where he's going among outfielders and, at that point in the draft, like I just, I'm, I'm kind of just like looking for upside. So I understand like the, the platoon possibilities, you know, he's terrible against lefties uh, last year, but um, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm showing, I have some interest there. Um, and if he could, you know, former MVP level, if he gets to that level in Chicago, who knows? Um, right. Even if he starts off with like, um, Maybe if they do the platoon with like Morel and him, right, and center, and but he just starts playing really good, he can grow out of that. Um, yeah. and I know people will point to like, well, how can you have any faith that he's doing that he might do well? Um, there's a great article on prospectslive.com by Tyrion Alexander, amazing article showing his foot placement and just the like the muscle memory that he gained by playing injured and de just developing bad habits. And I get it. Some people countered, well, if the Dodgers couldn't help him, you know, how can he be helped if they, you know, because if, if someone who writes for a website can see it, did the Dodgers not see it? And I get that. I totally get that. But, you know, it's there, you know, the old baseball HQ, right? Like saying like, if they display a skill, they own it. And, it's going to stay in back of there, but for the most part, like you said, it speaks of the the dread in the outfield and that possible, you know, upside, like 
you know, I guess you could pit him and like Trent Grisham in the same boat. Like you're going to get some steal, yeah. a bad average and some pop, you know, one guy might play all the time in Grisham, but you know, like you said, one guy was a former MVP, 44 home run bat, you know? So he's interesting. I yeah, think I've, he's, I've, I find myself taking uh in the couple drafts I've taken them like the like the next round I'm looking for like Luis Arias or Jeff McNeil or like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know a guy with a high average so yeah um, but uh, yeah I, I think you could I mean the potential for like a fourth outfielder and and double digit steals um you know I think is I think the upside is worth the the gamble there like where he's going. Any interest in in draft champions for two of the Oakland Athletic signings in Jace Peterson and Aledmus Diaz, super utility guys, actually join the same team, uh, guys who could literally play every position on the field except for catcher, um, go to a team where playing time is going to be gobbled up by them regardless. Um, they haven't really had, you know, standout profiles, but, you know, I think we can project them for some safe playing time there and do you think they hold any value in a draft champions league for sure just for the position flexibility especially diaz i mean that dude can play like everywhere uh, except for catcher pitcher um so uh, diaz has been one of my favorite guys in dcs for the past couple years so yeah right (laughs) i don't expect that to change yep (laughs) um, now that he's with a much shittier team um you know he could that could actually help his like stats i mean he could get more a lot more playing time than he's gotten in the past uh just because he instantly becomes one of the best hitters on the A's, <laughs> uh just saying something but uh yeah I, I i love diaz um peterson not so much but uh diaz a lot of interest in him yeah I, I like I like Diaz. I always think he's like he's just like has a solid approach. He's good hitter. He stays in you know, like he got into the Houston Astros lineup a lot. Um and, and and you know, Jace Jace is sneaky too because he he got platoon so heavy with the Brewers, you know. Um and not only platoon, but like taking out of games early. Him and Luis Juris like were just so painstakingly um troublesome last year. If you had him on your roster, you just like, oh, he's going to start for this righty. Um, they got four righties on Monday to Thursday, and then uh, you end up getting, you know, seven at-bats because they took him out every time the pitcher got switched. But, you know, 12 stone bases last year and uh, 328 plate appearances and 10 the year before and 302. So there is some value there in, 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 in some, you know, like you said, just having the multi-eligibility is is – Actually, Jace actually only qualified for third base this year, huh? I didn't notice that. Well, then. Yeah, that's never, surprising. I didn't Never mind. Either. Yeah, he must have just missed the threshold. And Aled misses second in outfield. So they must have missed their uh, their normal thresholds of um, finding. They must have been right under the cusp. I have to look at their total game. But that, yeah, never mind that then. Jace Peterson, <laughs> not, uh, not as useful can, as I, I thought. I think you can safely project both to get more position eligibility as the season goes through on. the season. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's a good point too. Um, they could eventually gain it. Um, yeah. Tony Kemp yeah. at second, Seth Brown at first, the outfield is uh, still up in, up in the air with Connor Capel, maybe getting some at bats or Ramon Laureano and Kemp. Uh, what a dud of a team. Uh, that's, anyway, that's just so bad. So <laughs> bad. Terrible. 
So bad. All right, one last guy, Heimer Candelario, yes or no? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it goes to a team where probably going to play every day, switch hitter, you know, in a lineup, probably going to hit middle of the order in Washington. Um, I think from on a, on a positive note, he had a, he had a 75th percentile max EV last year. Uh, other metrics weren't good. Um, Lou Lally pops and that was the only red one, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think, you know, given the state of the position, um, you could probably, uh he's a good uh like backup third baseman or third third baseman in like a dc um the state of the position you know, could, be, that's good yeah. i like i like the way that sounds you almost could do like you know when they do the state of the union addresses you could just do like state yeah. of the position addresses who who yeah, has a better year him or Joey on it, yeah. who has a better year him or manessis candelario Oh, all right, all right. A lot of people are gonna be uh, be upset about that, but um, all right. I know. I'm, cool. I'm just. I've heard Ryan Venancio talk on like three podcasts about Manessis <laughs> now, <laughs> and I think it was from our podcast about his steamer projection. I think kind of spurned all of that conversation. So yeah, yeah. I mean, there's. <laughs> I think just from a like Condelario's playing time is secure the whole year. In my opinion, um, maybe what's his face? Uh, who's the prospect guy uh, at third over there? Jake Alou. Uh, his name. Yeah, Alou. Yeah, maybe he takes over. But um, he's my guy. The stud. Yeah, Manessas could be in the minors by like April twentieth. Yeah. You know. Yep. So. Cool man. Thanks for your time today. Think yeah, it was another fun. great, great little pod blast. Uh, talking over some, it's good. It's good talking this stuff over, and I think it's going to help a lot of people going through their process for draft champions. And um, you know, um, but we got a yeah. couple more guys on this list. I got, we got a few minutes. Oh, you got a few minutes? Okay, yeah, hit, yeah. It, hit it, hit it. Yeah, yeah. Nick Martinez, I saw was on your list. Um, I think it's really interesting because you know he wants to start, but he was so much worse as a starter. As a starter, right? Yeah. Um, so like, I don't like, yeah, you can say like, Hey, I want to start, but like, are you like, are the Padres going to do that? I don't know. Like just knowing how good he was out of the pen last year. So, um, let's see. Rust resource has him, you know, fourth in the rotation, uh, behind Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. Um, you know, maybe they sign another guy, the starter, he gets more flexible role. I don't know. He, he was just so much worse. I'm actually looking up uh, his outlook right now. He had um, he he had just... interesting. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was saying he had interesting. Like his the contract he signed was three for twenty six. Um, but uh, I'm just looking at the contract notes on Spot Track. After 2022, San Diego must exercise the 24, 24, 25 club options. If they decline, the option converts to $8 million player options. But game started, he gets 500000 each for 10, yep. 15, 20, and 25. And appearances, he gets $100,000 each for 10, game 20. Yeah. Yep. And um, appearances also $200,000 each for he. If he reaches 30, 40, 50, or 60 levels. So 
200,000 each if he hits those levels and games finished another 200,000 each for 10, 15, 20, 20, 35, 35, 40 interval. So interesting the way they layered that. It's almost like they expect him to make like, I don't know, 12 starts and close some games and right. It's almost like it's layered. Yeah. Like they expect to utilize him as a Swiss army knife, but they right now he's their fourth starter, like behind Darvish, Snell and Musgrove, they have him and Morjan. I don't know. And after all this money they spent, like who else is going to be, you know, starting, you know, I don't know. It's yeah, interesting. It's fair. Yeah. I was just looking at the splits, um, 54 innings as, as a reliever, 267 ERA, 104 whip, and then nearly as many innings as a starter, 52 and a third, 430 ERA, 155 whip. So it's interesting. Like, like, I don't know. Like fees performs much better as a starter this year. I could see him sticking there. Um, but uh, I, I, he was just really, really good, and he had eight saves as a really too. Like, like he had a couple of those like multi inning saves, uh, you know, when Hater was struggling last year. So absolutely, um, he was in my lineup a lot toward during that run. You know, yeah. I picked him up in Fab leagues, and I was using him. You know, it's just like just guys like him and Whitlock. You know, when they have that ability to go two or three innings and be really good and 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 effective and give you some saves and wins. Those guys are really, yeah. really good to use, you know. So yeah, I guess I guess you could draft them just just as a pitcher, you know, and just you know use him however uh, the team is going to use him. And just he's going right now four hundred and thirty five ADP um, next to Kyle Harrison, a guy who's twenty years old and in Double A. Um, so I think I'll take that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Bruce Gratterall, sure. Descafani, Smiley. Um, yeah. All right, three minutes there. on gladiators. Gladiators. Go ahead, How'd go you have your draft go yesterday? Did were you happier with your uh with your pitching staff last night? Last night, pitching staff. Um different approach. Uh my leagues are fluctuating back and forth between heavy pitching and then you know heavy bats. But I've been trying to get a specific amount of starters um by like, you know, pick 175, 180. Um, I don't want duds, but last night started off with Alvarez. I got Hader in the second round. Um, and then I got Lindor Altuve. I was happy to, I was happy with that. I don't know why like Lindor slides in a lot of drafts and I just don't know what that come from, but my staff ended up being, I got my first Eloy uh, share, um, but my staff ended up being Castillo, Gilbert, Rasmussen, John Gray, Ober, Okidi with, um, Hader, Leclerc, and Evan Phillips to round it out the relievers. So, uh, but I got all my pitches by round eighteen, and I, t- I had five hitters left. And I backed backed it up with Soler, Kim, Nick Fortes. Took a shot at Trace Thompson and Ryan Jeffers. It was an interesting draft. I got a lot of my first shares of guys. Um, there were spots earlier where I could have gotten some pitching, but I was stuck in between owners who were just doing the same thing out like who needed pitching when i needed pitching when i want to go back to that well they were going to the well too so i i got nate lau at a great price dropped glaber torres was in the one fifth almost like one 140 late 140 and and yellich too in round 10 um so i gobbled those guys up instead and i got my my first ryan mountcastle at pick 200 which um I know there's concerns like about that. whether him pulling the ball, but at that spot, again, I I was like, uh, okay, sure. 
Yeah, that's a great, great price on them. And I got I'm my first CJ like, Abrams too. So I'm trying to get six starters by like round twelve. Because like once you get to round twelve, you're you're looking at like the um mm-hmm. like once like like I want my six starter to be like one of like the Morton, Luis Garcia, Springs, Chris Bassett types. Um, because then you get to like the the injured guys like Sale and uh uh you know who else going there? Uh, John Gray, Montas, pa- uh, Pablo yep. Lopez types, mm-hmm. McCullers, like you know guys that have the upside and can certainly pay off. But like you know, in this type of format, like do you want you know more security with your starting pitchers, or do you want like the super big health risk? I think like from my perspective, if I'm like can't make any moves. Like I want guys who are going to get me innings, um, stabilize ratios and strikeouts. So so that's where like the past couple of gladiators I've done is, is really trying to get like six good starters and then fill in, you know, the rest of the hitting, like towards the latter half of the draft with, with guys that are more upside, like the Bellingers and Vaughn Grissoms and, um, you know, those, those types of guys, Nick Gordon's type mm-hmm. type players. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of like how I've been approaching the gladiators. And I'm probably only going to do like one or two more of these. Um, you know, I don't even know if they're getting close to selling out, but uh, it's a fun format and it's, it's interesting. It really I'm really, really curious, especially from like the, toy, the, the, you know, yeah. The split between starters and relievers, like, is it going to be like a six, three, is it going to be all relievers seven, two, like that's, that's yeah. what, what I'm most interested in seeing. Yeah. And it's so fun to draft them. And I think that, again, I'll get the fantasy is supposed to be fun. And so some teams I have 7-2, some teams I got 6-3. One team I got a 5-4, you know, try it out. See how it, you know, see how it feels when you do it. it it's, it's all different. It's all great. I like the different approaches you could try. And, yeah, I am fascinated to see, too, how it ends up, you know, like best splits to do it um, with. But I definitely agree with you. I want to get that pitching before um you know it gets it it gets risky you know and and i also do feel i say this over and over but i feel like the the max scherzers and the kershaws they are they are going like too far i think we're knocking them too much for the possible injury risk because even if they give you 130 that 130 they give you is stellar you know and you don't have the ability to fuck it up by putting in matt boyd (laughs) There we go. I did it yeah. without saying Mike Miner. All right. There it is. Awesome, dude. Thanks for your time, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Ryan Roof right. on Twitter, right? At, at Ryan Sorry, Roof. I'm in my work meeting. Yeah, at Ryan Roof on Twitter. Beautiful. Jesus loves you. Take care, pal. Alrighty, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. I hope these podcasts are guiding you to any actionable advice or any good humor or source of entertainment, whatever it may be. Thank you for the ears and your time and your kind words and the kind reach out and the DMs. I can't, I can talk about it every time, but I can't replicate the feeling that I get when people tell me how much they enjoy it or how much it's helping them. So really, really grateful for that opportunity to be in a position that I can help anybody with anything. I think it's the best thing in life is giving. And yeah, just do it. Just give, give, give your love. But thank you um, if you 
Baretti left a rating and review. Super, super awesome. Thank you so much. If you haven't done so already and you want to do it, do it. I would thank you a million times over. And if you're going to do it and you want to send me um, a message on Twitter or email at pullhitterpodcast at gmail.com. Give me your address. I can send you some stickers. Pull hitter stickers or a fridge magnet. Maybe you want a fridge magnet. Maybe you got a cool beer fridge in the basement, in the bar, in the bar, and you want to throw a little fridge magnet. Womp. Let me know. I got them for you. No cost. Sending it right over. All right. Don't be a bag of shit. Smarten up. Peace.